Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. The views expressed in the following program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of Saga 960 AM or its management. Seeking truth and justice in a battleground of deception and corruption. This is The Richard Serrett Show. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as bad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore. We must not allow ourselves to be intimidated. Our task is not only to win the battle, but to win the war. Kidding, we're not in Kansas anymore. Take a look at this country with through her eyes if you really want to see something. You'll see the whole parade of what man's carved out for himself after centuries of fighting. Friday. Yeah, we made it. And uh, just a reminder, this is my last live show from Canada until September. That's right. My last live show from Canada until September. I'm off to Greece for the summer with the family uh, as of Sunday. However, I will be doing some shows from over there. I'm off next week, however. That's the week of July the 10th. That'll give me time to get the uh, internet up and running. Uh, the week of July 10th will be best of shows between 4 and 6 p.m. Uh, then I'll be live from Athens uh, the week of July the 17th. We hope. 
if not live, then certainly pre-recorded, but still brand new shows. And then I'm off the following week and then back on live the next. That's pretty much how it will go. One week live, the next week best of shows um, for the uh, duration of the summer. And then, of course, back live from my studio here in Thornhill in September. Looking forward to it. Greece is uh, such a beautiful country. It's uh, the mighty Aphrodite's ancestral home. Uh, She has lots of relatives over there. My boys are half Greek, of course. So we consider it our second home. And uh, I love the food, uh, the mountains, the ocean, the history. But mostly I love the culture. Greece is a very, very family-oriented country. And they absolutely adore children in Greece. So if you ride the subway in Athens, for example, and uh, the car, the subway car is filled with passengers, you will actually see people getting up, adults getting up and offering their seat to a child. And uh, back in uh, 2013, the twins were about six, six and a half. One of them fell off the, uh, the monkey bars at a hotel in Kalamata, fractured his arm. He broke his arm, technically. What they call a green stick fracture. So I took him to the emergency room at the hospital in Kalamata. As I'm walking him into the ER, and we were with a family friend who speaks Greek, so she was translating. As I walk north into the ER, and he was crying. He was in pain. We walk into the ER. I look around and I saw a couple of people who looked as if they'd been in a car crash in the ER. Sitting there, their heads were bandaged. They were bleeding from the head. We walk in. They looked like they 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 looked like they were in pretty rough shape. Let's say that. Anyway, as soon as I walk in with my little guy, one of the men who was bleeding from the head stood up in a panic and shouted, is he OK? Is he OK? Here, take my seat. That's how much they love children in Greece. Now, Greece has, um, as you probably are well aware, as many countries in Europe, they have a lot of political parties. The Communist Party there is very active, very popular in some regions. People proudly proclaim themselves to be communists. They elect members to parliament. And in, in fact, there are a number of socialist parties and very radical left-wing parties in Greece. Um, in fact, they were ruled by a sort of a, a radical left-wing coalition for a number of years, headed by Syriza. That's the left-wing party. They ruled Greece for several years. They were just decimated in the national elections in Greece last month by New Democracy, uh, which is a conservative party. Syriza's uh, leader, Alex Tsipras, uh, just stepped down. Anyway, so hopefully Greece will continue to move to the right. Although Greece's uh, Prime Minister Kyriakos Mitsotakis, uh, leader of New Democracy, he's a bit of a globalist. However, I think he's becoming less so as he sees what is happening elsewhere in Europe. You've got the rise of populist, nationalist, conservative parties in Italy, Sweden, Finland. It looks like... uh, The national populists are about to take power in Spain. They have an election coming soon. And uh, they see what's happening, or he sees what's happening in France. 
France, too, is having issues with migrants who are coming to Greece in waves. And this is causing tensions. But politics aside in Greece, you don't see or hear anything about gender ideology or trans activism. Nobody talks about that, not even the radical left. And so I feel I feel far freer in Greece as well than I do in Canada. And that's a shame to have to say that. But it's the truth. I feel freer in Greece than I do in Canada. Yesterday, I, uh, I spoke with Dr. Peter McCullough about his preprint study in Lancet titled a systemic or uh, sorry, a systematic review of autopsy findings in deaths after COVID-19 vaccination. And uh, in the study, McCullough and um, it's co-authored by Yale epidemiologist, Dr. Harvey Risch and their colleagues at the uh, wellness company, they reviewed 325 autopsies after COVID vaccination. And they found that 74% of the deaths were caused by the vaccine. Let me repeat that. 74% of the 325 cases who died after the COVID vaccine, their death was caused by the vaccine. 74%. And as predicted, Lancet has removed the study. Again, the paper is a preprint. It was a waiting peer review. But in less than 24 hours, the study was removed and uh, there was a note appeared stating this preprint has been removed by preprints with the Lancet because the study's conclusions are not supported by the study methodology. But the study hadn't undergone any part of the, the peer review process. And yet the note implies it fell a foul of screening criteria. That's the term they use, screening criteria. No other detail from the preprints with, with the Lancet staff who removed the paper. So it's hard to know what, what substance the claim that the conclusions are not supported by the methodology really has. I mean, you look at the, the authors of the paper. McCullough. Reich. Yale epidemiologist. Top of their field. So to me, it's it's hard to imagine the methodology of the review was really so poor that it warranted removal at initial screening rather than being subject to full critical appraisal, which is what the peer review process does. So uh, it smacks instead of censorship because it failed to uh, tow the official line. Keep in mind, the CDC has not yet acknowledged a single death being caused by the COVID mRNA vaccines, not a single death. Autopsy evidence demonstrating otherwise is uh, clearly not what the U.S. public health establishment wants to hear. All right, coming up on the show today, last order of business in the second hour. We'll take a look at the latest lame attempts by the downstream, lamestream media to take down conservative leader Pierre Polyev. National Telegraph senior correspondent Daniel Boardman will be here. The great Greg Carrasco will be here in hour two and we'll discuss cocaine in the White House. 
uh, your calls in hour two, 289-275-9600, 289-275-9600. Keep in mind, this may be your last time to call in and talk with me for a while. Not sure if we'll be able to take calls while I'm in Greece. So get it said while you still can. Otherwise, uh, you may have to keep it all bottled up inside until September, and that wouldn't be healthy. 289-275-9600. That's an hour two. Viva Fry. Popular Rumble and YouTube host David Freiheit, a.k.a. Viva Fry, will be here just after 5 p.m. Eastern. He's our feature interview today. And uh, we'll talk about Trudeau's bizarre war on big tech. And uh, we'll get into the coke inside the White House. And does President Biden have a Kennedy problem? Namely, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is making quite a splash as uh, primary season is about to get underway. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. Running for the Democrat nomination against an incumbent president, just like his father did back in 68. This hour, the Lim Riddler is back with another Lim Riddle. A Lim Riddle, if you're new to the show, is kind of a limerick, kind of a riddle. And uh, we're looking for a one-word answer that solves all four clues in the Lim Riddle. It's fun and it's good for your brain. The Sofa Cinephile is here this hour with a look at the new 4K edition of Jaws, a 1975 thriller directed by Steven Spielberg. I won't be uh, watching it until I get back from Greece. Otherwise, I won't enjoy swimming in the Messinian Bay. I, I, I think I've mentioned this before. I read the book Jaws, the Benchley book, back in 76, 12 years old. It ruined my summer vacation out in Prince Edward Island. Wouldn't dip a toe in the ocean. Uh, Another edition of Keeping an Eye on Our Money with Jay Goldberg from the Canadian Taxpayers Federation. More corporate welfare for foreign automakers. Cabinet yesterday approved billions more in subsidies for battery factories. And uh, the Canadian Taxpayers Federation criticizing it as a free-for-all for foreign automakers. The aid... The, the corporate welfare totaling more than $31 billion for three Ontario battery plants. But first, inside the twisted mind of Justin Trudeau, our crime minister actually likens Meta or Facebook and Google's decision to block Canadian news links on their platform due to the uh, passing of Bill C-18 to fighting the Germans in World War II. Harrison Faulkner from True North is next. The Richard Serrett Show off and running for Friday, July 7th in the year of our Lord, 2023.
facta non verba. We're back as the Richard Serrett Show continues on News Talk Saga 960 AM. Hey, welcome back. I don't know what the opposite of the Midas touch is, but whatever it is, the Trudeau government has it. Everything they touch turns to Shinola. So witness Bill C-18. This is the Online News Act. And it was supposed to be the Trudeau's government uh, attempt to save the lamestream news industry by forcing, forcing big tech, namely Facebook and Google, to pay for content created by Canada's news publishers. They said, if you don't pay for it, you have to take the links down. So Google and Facebook said, "Okay, we'll take the news links down. (laughs) Well, now Trudeau is claiming that uh, he is fighting for our democracy and fighting big tech. He actually tried to compare what is happening over at uh, Facebook or Meta and uh, Google as, you know, Canada fighting the Nazis in the Second World War. I kid you not. This is the the twisted mind of our crime minister. Harrison Faulkner is the host of Ratioed and co-host of Fake News Friday at TrueNorthTNC.News. Harrison Faulkner, welcome back. How are you? Happy Friday. Happy Friday to you, Richard. Always happy to come on the show. Uh, So... What in, what need what else need be said about Bill C eighteen? Maybe that I'm I've left out there. Well, I think the reality about Bill C eighteen, as you pointed out, Richard, is the fact that it is just another money grab for the legacy media, which are failing uh, because Trudeau wants to continue getting positive headlines. These are the same people that have carried water for the government ever since Trudeau came into power, and especially throughout the pandemic. These legacy media outlets, after receiving in, in some cases, tens of millions of dollars in taxpayer subsidies have returned the favor to Justin Trudeau by propping up his government, refusing to report critically on the government and, of course, letting him skate by with positive headlines. So this is just really another attempt by the government to tip the scales for legacy media. They're failing in the modern media environment because they haven't adapted to the new world. And because of that, Justin Trudeau is now trying to go to bat for them by introducing this bill. Well, sure enough, it's backfired. And I guess you could say he's left holding the bag because now nobody's getting any news, Richard. No one's going to get news on Google and no one's going to get news on Facebook. So as you pointed out, everything he touches seems to go the wrong direction. And this is certainly that. So, yeah, in other words, Google and um, um, Facebook or Meta, they called Trudeau's bluff. Because isn't that isn't that basically what the law stipulates? If if you don't pay for the content, you have to take the links down. Okay, so they're they're obliging. They're saying, okay, we'll take the links down. How how you know how is Google and how are Google and Facebook? And hey, I'm no one. I'm not here to defend big tech. But how are they the bad guys in this scenario? No, it it, it makes no sense when it, when it comes to this. If you think about it, Australia tried to do this a few years ago. And the government backed down because it was just an untenable. It was an untenable situation. Australians weren't getting any news. Um, Meta is in a position here where if they agree to this, they're looking at paying out hundreds of millions of dollars. In fact, most of that money goes to broadcasters like the CBC, like uh, like Bell and Rogers. So they're looking at basically paying out hundreds of millions of dollars. There's really no end to where there's no there's no li- there's no cap to the liability that Meta is looking at here and if they agree to do this 
every single country is going to enact the exact same rules. And it's an it's it's an impossible position for these big tech companies. Now, to 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 try and compare the situation, Meta's decision to block news to what is going on, what, what happened in World War Two, Canada's fight against the Germans is the hyperbole is not only insulting, it's astounding. I mean, it really can only come from the the the, the, the melodrama uh, of a of a former dramatic, you know, former drama teacher like Justin Trudeau. It's 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 unbelievable, you know, to say that Canada is under attack and they've picked on the wrong country and we beat the Germans in World War Two. That's why we're going to beat Meta in this instance. What is going on with our prime minister? It's astounding. Yeah, another big distraction. Meanwhile, I think he made the announcement while uh, uh, or launched into that tirade in a grocery store uh, where, you know, he announced like proudly, like 11 million people basically in this country qualify for Canada's version of food stamps. That's nothing to brag about. (laughs) Anyway, we'll take a quick time out. Harrison Faulkner is with us, host of Ratioed and co-host of Fake News Friday at True North TNC News. Back with more of our conversation right after these. Let's get back at it on Newstalk Saga 960 AM. It's the Richard Serrett Show. Bill C-18, the Online News Act, just a complete cock up. What else is new with the uh, federal liberals making a mess of everything they touch? Not a good look for Heritage Minister Pablo um, Pablo, what is his last name again? Rodriguez? Yes, Pablo Rodriguez. Um, so Harrison Faulkner stays with us, host of Ratioed, co-host of Fake News Friday, TNC.News, True North. Uh, just a couple of more points on this, and then time permitting, we'll move on. But uh, how does how is this uh, now going to affect the independent news outlets like True North and our friends at Rebel News and the National Telegraph and so forth? Uh, are your links also going to be taken down? Yeah. So what we know right now is that all news, uh, any any page that is a news page with news links will be blocked on Facebook. So this is really killing a couple bird, uh, you know, killing two birds with one stone here for the federal government. They are well, it's, it's backfiring. But the attempt was really to stuff the pockets of failing legacy media. And then if this happened, well, then they don't have to worry because the critical independent media against the government would also have their news blocked. So this is really actually hitting independent media like True North badly. It's 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 not something we wanted to see. That being said, none of us were really expecting to have Meta all of a sudden pay us for links that we put on their platform for free. So it was clearly what's that that that's the problem here, Richard, is that independent media gets hurt the most here. Local newspapers also get hurt the most here. Um, and really, the people that are already getting subsidies from the taxpayer, they don't care. It doesn't make much of a difference for them. National Post, Toronto Star, CBC, you name it. Right, right. And this and well, you the, the, the last daily you repeated, I'll never mention that the, the name of that rag again because of that horrible front page during uh, COVID. But they're behind a paywall. Yeah. So they wanted they wanted both ways. They want to be paid. Um, they want to be paid by uh, Google and Facebook um, for their content, and they want us to pay for their content because they're behind a paywall. I mean, you can't have it both ways. No, you can't have it both ways. And as I mentioned at the beginning of this, this is really an example of the government trying to fix the game. You know, we're all playing a game here in media. We have to do what we can do to reach our audience. We have to play within the rules, and we have to do what we can do. You 
all these legacy media outlets, they have to adapt if they want to have success. But the reality is these newspapers are shutting down because it's not profitable for them. The, 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 business, the, the broadcasters are having to shut down as well. That's why you're seeing all these layoffs. So what, what's going on here is that it's three ways, actually. They want, they want big tech to pay them for links, which is completely ridiculous, as we talked about before. They want, to, they want to receive subsidies from the taxpayer, but then they also want the taxpayer to pay up to read the articles. So it's completely ridiculous. This is clearly an, an attempt by the government to help out the legacy media outlets who continue to, to continue to cover for them and write them positive headlines. And at the end of the day, it hurts us. It hurts independent media that are trying to do what we can do. We've adapted to the modern game and the rest of these guys haven't, but yet they want all the benefits of it. It's, it's not fair. So is this going to be like a game of chicken uh, between uh, Google and, and the feds and are, are the feds going to receive, you know, a lot of. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. blowback and pressure from the lamestream media like who's going to blink here do you think it's tough to tell i i think that this is not going to be what it, i don't think it's gonna i don't think google is gonna block news links in canada for long if they do go and do that they haven't done it yet but they've signaled their intent to do that um i think someone is going to give whether or not it's the government or whether or not it's it's big tech we'll have to see but you know you would think that you know, you'd think that the government would would already try to back down a little bit. They might have they might have accepted some Senate amendments if they wanted to avoid this outcome, but they haven't. They've rejected all Senate amendments to Bill C eighteen. They even shut down debate on Bill C eighteen in the legislature and rammed the bill through. And th- despite this, they've known for months that Facebook and Google were going to take this action. They've known this was going to be the outcome. But as I pointed out in my show yesterday. It only seems to have turbocharged their efforts to pass the bill anyway. So maybe this is what they actually want to begin with. You know, maybe what they want is all Canadians will have to rely on legacy media outlets, the outlets that they know uh, they're going to use Bill C-11 to prop up those search results on YouTube and Google and all the digital media outlets like True North, like Rebel, uh, Western Standard, you name them. uh, We are going to be the ones that are suppressed. 
So maybe this is actually what they really wanted all along, Richard. And I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's honestly the case. Makes sense. Uh, so what's the contingency plan, Harrison, if uh, if we're blocked from uh, TNC on Google? Uh, how do we find you? Well, what we're trying to get all of our audience to do right now is to sign up for our newsletter. If you go to TNC.news, a pop up will be on the website right away where you can put your email in and forget Google, forget Facebook and forget trying to play the game the usual way. Uh, we have to adapt in this new media climate. So the best way to do that is to sign up for our newsletters. Uh, you can type into your search bar, tnc.news slash subscribe, or you can just go to tnc.news and a pop-up screen should show up in front of you where you can input your email address and get all of our news straight to your inbox every single day. You don't want to rely on big tech and we're not going to be able to really navigate media the same way we did in, under this legislative environment, it's getting very complicated, but the, but the good news is that it's pretty easy to get us into your inbox, tnc.news slash subscribe. Harrison Faulkner, host of Ratioed and co-host of Fake News Friday. Harrison, great work as always. Thank you so much. Have a great Thanks. weekend. Thank you. All right. When we come back, keeping an eye on our money, Jay Goldberg, Ontario Director of the Canadian Taxpayers Federation, here with another story of corporate welfare. Back with more in a moment. You're listening to The Richard Serrett Show on Newstalk Saga, 960 AM. You'll forgive me if I don't think about monetary policy. The budget will balance itself. The fastest rising interest rates in 30 years. Fastest inflation in four decades. When will the government realize that Canadians are out of money and the party's over? I tell you what, this uh, keeping an eye on our money is turning into <laughs> into a daily segment, which is fine. It's, it's uh, important information, but uh, that's because there's just so much profligate spending at the federal and provincial level there's just so much information we can't do it all in one shot on a on a uh, a thursday afternoon so jay goldberg is the ontario director of the canadian taxpayers federation and he joins us once again how are you jay doing well great to be with you so we've got more corporate welfare 31 billion dollars for three EV battery plants uh, cabinet uh, yesterday approved uh, more sub more billions uh, in subsidies for these battery factories. Um, these are all uh, f- uh, for three Ontario plants. Now, are these is this new money or is this does this include the Volkswagen plant uh, and uh, others? So roughly half of it is new. Uh, it includes Volkswagen, which was about $16 billion, and now Stellantis is going to get about $15 billion. Uh, even though it's slightly uh, less, $15 billion, ton of money, we're talking about $6 million per job at Stellantis. And of course, not that long ago, we talked about over $4 million a job at Volkswagen. So you add this all together, that's $31 billion. But one of the things that's new is that in the original Volkswagen deal, uh, the Ford government in Ontario only put in $500 million. Now they've retroactively agreed to pay one-third of the Volkswagen bill and one-third of the Stellantis bill. So in one day, Doug Ford spent about $9 billion of Ontarians' money. Wow. There goes the surplus. <laughs> 
there goes the surplus. Uh, obviously, it's spread over 10 years or so, but that's a heck of a lot of money. And I think there's a lot of small business owners all across Ontario who are barely scraping by who are asking, where is the special deal for me? How come I have to pay my taxes? Uh, in some cases, can't keep employees on. In some cases, you know, ultimately have to close while the government of Ontario and Canada is giving massive handouts to these corporations. And both Stellantis and Volkswagen have profits of over $20 billion a year. So they're not needing desperately this kind of money. Uh, so this just tells you that we have governments that want to cherry pick and pick winners and losers. And that's exactly what they're doing. Right. And while Canada's the big loser here, let's face it, the only reason that we have to fork out this money is because we're not a competitive jurisdiction. So they have to be bribed to come here. Well, that's exactly right. We're not competitive. The The tax rate is much higher than down south. The amount of regulations we have is much more. Hydro prices are far higher. So what the government should be doing is lowering taxes, lowering regulation to attract businesses not just Volkswagen and Stellantis, but also small and medium-sized businesses, either from the United States or to stay here in Canada or to encourage people to open up a new business. When it's this bad, when you have to spend $31 billion to get a couple of auto companies to build plants in Ontario, that should be a surefire sign that we are not a competitive jurisdiction. And Stellantis really, uh, really held the gun uh to the government's head, um, in a sense. I mean, originally, they I think they, they were given like a half billion dollars in federal aid. Then the government increased um, that offer 19 times or something like that after Stellantis halted production. They were demanding matching subsidies equivalent to the VW deal. I mean, that's just unconscionable. Yeah, I mean, and... and uh- I recall being on with you and saying at the time when the Volkswagen announcement came out, just you wait, there's going to be other auto companies that will come along and they're going to want the same deal. Sure enough, within three weeks, Stellantis decided to stop the construction of the plant in Windsor that it was already in the process of constructing and said, we will not build it any further unless we get a deal like Volkswagen got. Sure enough, it took a few weeks, but both the government of Ontario and the government of Canada gave them exactly what they wanted. My question is, who's the next auto company? Is Toyota or Honda or Ford or any other auto company going to come here and demand the same thing? And actually, one of the things that came out of the announcement yesterday is the Ford government says they've got a new partnership with the feds. So they're going to subsidize other companies to the same degree uh, for batteries with Ontario paying a third of the bill and the Fed's paying two-thirds of the bill. So they're saying if other companies want this, we're open to it. They're opening up the door. They're encouraging other companies to come for a similar deal. So this is just the beginning. Oh, dear. They're taking corporate welfare to a whole new level. Uh, Bombardier must be sitting back and saying, well, I think it's time to uh, belly up to the trough once again. It's been a while. All right. There you go. Uh, Jay Goldberg, Ontario Director of the Canadian Taxpayers Federation, taxpayer.com, taxpayer.com. Check out the newsroom. Jay, thank you so much. Thank you. All right. When we come back, the Sofa Cinephile unpacks the new 4K edition of Steven Spielberg's 1975 Jaws. Back with that in a moment. Back to the conversation on The Richard Serrett Show. News Talk, Saga, 960 AM.
the Sofa Cinephile on The Richard Serrett Show. You yell barracuda. Everybody says, huh? What? You yell shark. We've got a panic on our hands on the 4th of July. Is it true that most people get attacked by sharks in three feet of water, about ten feet from the beach? Yeah. What we are dealing with here is a perfect engine, uh, an eating machine. We're not only going to have to close the beach, we're going to have to hire somebody to kill the shark. Bad fish. But I'll catch him and kill him. Did you hear your father out of the water now? This shark swallow you whole. Ah! You're going to need a bigger boat. <laughs> there you go. Jaws, 1975 American thriller film directed by Steven Spielberg, based on the 1974 novel by Peter Benchley, starring Roy Scheider, Richard Dreyfus, and Robert Shaw. And here to unpack the new 4K edition is the Sofa Cinephile, Christopher Garitano, award-winning film and television producer and the host of the wildly popular podcast, Off to the Witch. Chris, how are you? I'm doing well, thank you. And happy birthday, my friend. Hey, thank you very much. All right. So we have this killer shark unleashing chaos in this beach community, Amityville, off of... Uh, Amity. Amity, my apologies. Means yeah, friendship. <laughs> Amity, yes. I got that confused with, uh, what was that, Poltergeist? Uh, uh, Amityville uh, Horror. Amityville Horror. That's right. Uh, anyway, it's up to uh, the local sheriff and a marine biologist and uh, an old uh, seafarer to hunt the beast down. Now, uh, what... Um, what else do we need to know about this? This is Spielberg's, I think, one of his finest movies. Absolutely. And he almost backed out of it last minute because they did not have a script and they were actually shooting in May of 1974 without a script and June. <laughs> and the script was being written as they were shooting. Of course, they had some uh, obviously storyboards, planning, things like that, and the novel to go from and the original draft from Peter Benchley, which Spielberg didn't like because he felt the characters were unlikable. Oh, interesting. Interesting. You know, what's also interesting about the film to me uh, is you don't actually see the shark a whole lot. Which is quite effective. And yeah. here, I, I, just to speak on that for a second, there's a lot of banter about how the, you know, from certain film geeks and critics that say, oh, the shark is unrealistic. Oh, really? How do you think that film got as far as it did with scaring the living hell out of people mm -hmm. for so many years? Nobody said the shark looked unrealistic when I was a kid or growing up. It's a recent thing that they were talking about, because I think the people on set were worried if we were going to perceive it that way. But we didn't. Right, right. Um, how did the how did they uh, the the crew uh, the uh, the cast all get along? Like um, Robert Shaw, always uh, one of my favorite actors. Um, I don't know if he he comes across as kind of a surly, you know, no nonsense, doesn't suffer fools lightly guy. Um, I think he was like that in real life. Yeah, and I think yeah, him and Dreyfus. I think that relationship was very real. Even though, okay, so perhaps even how they warmed up to each other at the end was real as well. I think maybe they were just both strong actors that felt they needed to feel it. I mean, we felt it for a reason. Someone asked me recently, why is Jaws the greatest movie ever made? Because I, I say that sometimes. It's hard to pin down the greatest movie ever made. But I can tell you this. It's not because there's a shark killing people. That's one aspect. It's the human relations. And one scene I pick out, well, there's a couple, but the one scene is between Chief Brody and his son after the night, the evening after he gets slapped 
by Kittner's mom, you know, for, for letting her son die, according to her. He's sitting at the table getting drunk. And then he starts imitating a little peekaboo thing with his son. And then he says, give us a kiss. And the son says, why? He says, because I need it. Mm-hmm. That's why Jaws is great. And then all of those scenes with the men on the boat at the end oh, and how they relate to each other. That, that's why it's a great movie. Otherwise, it would just be a killer shark movie. That's right. Yes. When they're singing old sea shanties and, and, and uh, um, exchanging, you know, um, or comparing shark bite scars <laughs> and all Roy Scheider has to show his, app- his appendep- appendectomy scar. <laughs> yeah. It's so fantastic, though. All of that stuff. And you can't you can't get that in a movie by committee. It, it, you have to allow people to be to have some freedom. And the director should be the one at the helm always because Spielberg's touch is what made the movie ultimately as great as it as it is. Uh, I haven't seen it in probably 15 years. Uh, how does it look now with a new 4K edition? Okay, this this is a must have for any film collection. I have questions about you. If you say you hate or dislike this movie, I, I you have the right to hate or dislike it. But I have a feeling you don't really like good movies. And it's so it's absolutely beautiful. The sound picture, the best you've seen so far in 4K. And um the extras are absolutely worth it. There's about three feature length documentaries on there. Wow. To learn everything there is to know about the making of that film. Yeah. Get the, yeah. Watch Jaws. Forget the rest. Forget all the sequels. Just get Jaws. I agree. It's right up there. One of the greatest movies of all time, but I will not be watching it until I get back from summer vacation. Otherwise (laughs) uh, I will repeat the major mistake. I'm rookie mistake. I made in 76 reading (laughs) Peter Benchley's novel uh, en route to Prince Edward Island. I didn't dip a, 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 a toe into the Atlantic Ocean. My father was not pleased after driving 2000 miles. Terrifying. A true horror for sure. It is. And uh, how do we listen to Off to the Witch? Go wherever you find your podcasts and search Off to the Witch. This week I had a, I'd like to, you know, I like to recreate those suppertime, you know, late night stories uh, that people share in families. And I found an old friend and we talked about how absolutely uh, terrifying the, the, the images on the screen seem to jump out in our real lives when we were kids in the towns of Northport, New York, a harbor town, um, Kings Park, uh, all of these little towns that we we spent time in is parallel to a lot of the horror films we were watching as kids. And we, we kind of realized it through these conversations. So that's that's the episode this week. Wonderful. All right. Happy birthday again, my friend, Christopher Garitano, the sofa cinephile. Thank you. First, we filled your mind. Twisted. This is the Lim Riddler. Ah, the Lim Riddler. He's here. He's got his water wings on and he's got the, the suntan oil going. <laughs> Happy Friday, my friend. How are you? Happy Friday to you, Richard. We made it again. Oh, we did indeed. All right. So uh, the limb riddle is kind of a limerick, kind of a uh, kind of a limerick, kind of a riddle. We're looking for a one word answer that solves all four of the uh, the clues in this limb riddle. And you're going to send your one word answer to info at limriddles.com. Put 960 in the subject line. That way we know you heard it right here on the Richard Serrett Show. But you can go to LimRiddles.com. It's always easier to read it. And it's now available on Twitter. Yeah, the, uh, the Lim Riddler finally joined the 21st century. And you're absolutely <laughs> right, Richard. You can go to at LimRiddles and, uh, and uh, see the Lim Riddle there and, and retweet it to all your, uh, all your friends. 
And also, while you're at LimRiddles.com, be sure to subscribe. That way you get the LimRiddle delivered right to your email inbox uh, right about this time every Friday. Then be listening to the news or just before the news at six, just before the news at six when I announce or I reveal the uh, answer to this week's Lim Riddle and uh, announce the names of the winners. All right. This week's Lim Riddle is called Rome's Road Measure. Who does this appeal to? Who does this one appeal to? Well, I think people who are Roman historians, perhaps, and also anybody interested in international affairs, because there's a UN clue in there as well. Aha. All right. Rome's Road Measure. Let's hear it. It goes like this. Rome's distant measure for road destinations. Not in the same social strata or stations. Premier build as exciting and skilled. UN replaced an alliance of nations. All right, there you go. That's this week's Lim Riddle, Rome's Road Measure. Again, send your one-word answer to info at limriddles.com and then be listening to uh, this show just before the news at six when I reveal the answer and announce the names of the winners. All right, Lim Riddler, you have a great weekend. You too, Richard. Bye for now. Bye-bye. Solve this puzzle, The Lim Riddler, every Friday at 4.50 on The Richard Serrett Show on Saga 960 AM. All right, hour two awaits. Viva Fry will be here along with the great Greg Carrasco plus your calls. Stay tuned. The views expressed in the following program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of Saga 960 AM or its management. Seeking truth and justice in a battleground of deception and corruption, this is The Richard Serrett Show. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as bad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! We must not allow ourselves to be intimidated. Our task is not only to win the battle, but to win the war. Kidding, we're not in Kansas anymore. Take a look at this country through her eyes if you really want to see something. You'll see the whole parade of what man's carved out for himself after centuries of fighting. You're out of order! You're out of order! The whole trial is out of order! You have meddled the primal forces of nature! And welcome to Hour 2 of this Edward R. Murrow award-winning broadcast. Well, I award them to myself, but why not? Nobody else will. Ah, if you missed Hour 1, you missed a lot, but don't despair. Still plenty of great programming coming your way this hour, including the uh, Limb Riddle answer and winners just before the uh, news at 6 o'clock. Daniel Boardman will be here, senior contributor with the National Telegraph and uh, the lamestream media. It's like a, a scene out of Mean Girls, the way they're going, trying to go after conservative leader Pierre Polyev. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. 
Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. Saying, oh, he's unpopular. Nobody likes him. That's all they've got pretty much at this point because, uh, well... The, uh, the polls seem to indicate more and more people are on side with uh, conservative policies. But uh, the lamestream media, they well, they're bought and paid for. So they've they've got to do their duty. And that is to try and bring Polyev down. Uh, we'll also take. Oh, uh, before that, Greg Carrasco, of course, the great Greg Carrasco will be here. Host of the Greg Carrasco show Saturday mornings, 8 to 11 here on Saga 960. And we'll probably get around to discussing the. Uh, Cocaine Commander-in-Chief, Joe Biden. That's Steve Turley, Dr. Steve Turley's uh, term that I just borrowed there. Uh, I think it's apropos. Of course, now the Secret Service and others are saying, oh, it's, it's definitely, definitely wasn't Hunter Biden's cocaine. Well, uh, we, we found it. It was, it was probably a tourist. Not sure I believe that. We'll also take your calls this hour at 289-275-9600. 289-275-9600. Keep in mind, you want to get it said now. Uh, this may be your last opportunity to uh, to speak with me uh, on the show until maybe the fall. Um, not sure if I'll be able to take calls when I'm over in Greece, but we'll uh, we'll see what happens. Two eight nine two seven five ninety six hundred. In fact, you can get on board right now if you'd like. the uh, The phone lines are available to you. Uh, but right now, we're going to uh, welcome a great friend of the program and a uh, a great broadcaster. Uh, or Rumblecaster, I guess we call him, David Freiheit, a.k.a. Viva Fry, host of Viva Fry on Rumble, also on YouTube, but uh, all the good stuff really is on Rumble. Viva, how are you, my friend? Holy cows, could you believe what's going on in the world, Richard? <laughs> <laughs> why, is, why is today any different? I mean, it's, it's always so much going on, always so much going on. Um, well, I was going to ask you if you wanted to start with... Um, with uh, Trudeau, basically, you know, trying to compare uh, what Facebook and uh, and Google and their response to Bill C-18, he's comparing that to like uh, Canada's, you know, uh, entry into World War II fighting the Germans. Uh, what the hell is going on inside the twisted mind of Trudeau? Well, I mean, he I, I have nothing good to say about him, so I'll just not talk about him for the time being and talk about this law. They knew exactly what they were doing with this law. I mean, it's, it's playing out exactly as they intended. They wanted to censor the Internet. They wanted to suppress what news Canadians have access to. And what better way to do it? They're going to say we're going to make a link tax to, you know, the, the, the links that we are promoting on social media, Canadian content stuff, because they passed the Online Streaming Act. So they say, great, let's promote certain links that are Canadian content. And then once they're promoted, let's charge Google and Meta a link tax to link through to these, you know, these trusted outlets, which are, I have a sneaking suspicion are going to be the legacy flailing, you know, CBC, global news, all of the Canadian, you know, subsidized media. Right. But 
And he's, I'm, I'm sure his argument is, look, uh, the, the tax, the link tax is not going to us, it's going to them. So what, what better, more effective way to subsidize a failing media that can't get bailed up by tax dollars anymore than through the Online Streaming Act and Bill C-18? And it's like they think that that private enterprise, in as much as I hate social media to some extent, they think they're held captive. Like they're just, they're just, hey, they got money. We're going to impose an arbitrary link tax that makes absolutely no sense and they're going to pay us because it's a it's a it's a luxury. It's a privilege to do business in Canada. And then when they say no, Richard, they say, well, we're going to cut our funding. We're going to cut our government advertising to your platform as if Meta gives a sweet bugger all about the eleven and a half million dollars in federal funding. It's like the federal government thinks that they're dealing with the CBC or other legacy media. Do what we tell you or we cut our government um, advertising and Meta doesn't need it. So that type of negotiation doesn't work with them. Right. Uh, except also caught up in this net are the independent news outlets. Man, maybe that was the point all along, right, to, to censor them. It, it, well, that was what some people suspected was the indirect goal of the Online Streaming Act. It was to penalize the independent voices through bureaucratic nonsense. Oh, not uh, Rebel News, True North, not Canadian content enough to be uh, algorithmically uh, uh, promoted. And now they're going to say, OK, well, look, uh, the, the links that are there, we want to link tax to it. I, I guarantee you that was not to help the smaller creators at all. But the bottom line, you know, the, the, the rationale for the link tax was when Meta and Google show the articles that if they don't link through to the original source, it siphons traffic away. It denies them ad revenue for the, you know, when they're redirected to these platforms. But they just want to charge a redirection link tax to get to the original source. There's only, you know, uh, that type of traffic would only benefit uh, small creators to a certain degree. It was clearly intended to prioritize and favor already subsidized, if it's not directly CBC, EC Radio Canada, indirectly subsidized through COVID advertising, uh, other legacy media, Global News, Toronto Star, all this other stuff. Um, and the plan is working perfectly because right now Canadians are just not going to get redirects through Meta or through Google. And who's that going to benefit? It's going to benefit those who are already, you know, established legacy news in Canada, the ones that have already gotten direct subsidies and indirect subsidies from the government. Right. Well, there are I, I'm, I would imagine there'd be workarounds, right? Like uh, you don't have to use Google as your search engine. Use uh, Brave or some other. Won't that get won't that work? I mean, it, it would work, I guess, in theory. But for the people who already know about brave duck duck go alternate search engines they're not the ones who really you know need to dig far to get to the alternative independent voices that they know this is just a way of controlling access to the media to the broadest possible amount of the population um, but the, the the sense you talk about entitlement that they just think that big tech is there just to continually give money to the government hey we're, we're, it's a link tax to benefit independent creators hogwash it's a link tax that is just another way of trying to squeeze money out of these big companies, which have tons of it, but to benefit those that they can no longer, you know, they can't give any more bailouts to, to print media. They can't give any more taxpayer subsidies to CBC, uh, Radio Canada. So this is a great indirect way of financing uh, the legacy outlets that, that, that are not succeeding on their own in the free marketplace of the Internet. So how is this going to uh, wind up, do you think? Is somebody going to blink? Uh, I hadn't thought about how this is going to end. I, I do think uh, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I really don't know when you've both parties have dug in their heels. They might find an interesting workaround. We'll negotiate. There'll be like a, a, an arbitrary amount per click that we'll agree to pay. Um, but, yeah, I, I actually hadn't thought 
long and hard about how this does play out once both parties don't have a, a, an escape ramp. Well, I mean, if if the maybe there's no reason for the government to blink, if, as you say, the intent was in part to censor, you know, independent news voices like Rebel News and True North and the Western Standard and and others, there's no need for them to blink. They got exactly what they wanted. This was their 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 goal from the get go. It, it was it was a win win. They win if they don't. They win if they do. So link tax. Great. Every time you link through to a CBC Global News article, they get to negotiate good link taxes. Uh, And if they don't. Great. I wouldn't be surprised if there's a government uh, produced search engine now. You'll have like a a government designed Google Canada where, you know, you'll go in, you'll get it. There'll be no link tax because it's government owned. I don't know that 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 could be an interesting way out for the government. But it was exactly uh, what they wanted. Either way, it was going to be what they wanted. Either they squeeze out millions and millions of dollars from these big tech giants to link through to the original source. Or look at that. Canadians no longer have access to independent media and have their access to news severely limited. David Freiheit, a.k.a. Viva Fry, host of Viva Fry on Rumble and YouTube, will come back and uh, continue this conversation, talk a little bit about uh, cocaine in the White House. And does President Biden have a Kennedy problem? Back with our conversation right after these. Welcome back to The Richard Serrett Show on News Talk, Saga 960 AM. All right, cocaine in the White House. Nothing to see here, folks. In fact, now uh, multiple officials involved in the uh, White House cocaine inquiry are saying, oh, that bag of powder was found somewhere else. No, it wasn't found in the West Wing. It was found in an area that's frequented by tourists. It wasn't Hunter's cocaine. It was probably a tourist's. Uh, I don't know if I buy that. <laughs> David Fry is with us. David Fry height, rather. David Fry height, Viva Fry, host of Viva Fry on Rumble and YouTube. What do you make of this whole story, David? I'm not allowed swearing on the radio, so I'm not. But it is bullplop. Grade A bullplop to quote Anchorman. Uh, first of all, they tracked down everyone and their grandmother from January 6th. It's amazing what they can't mm-hmm. find when they don't want to find what they're looking for. They can't find the scaffolding guy from January 6th. They can't find Epstein's client list. They can't find who blew up the Nord Stream pipeline. They can't find a crime to charge Ray Epps with. I, I know I'm forgetting some. They can't find the surveillance footage from Epstein's prison. The person uh, who leaked the, uh, oh, the, Dobbs decision. the Supreme That's Court. Right. Yes. They can't find that person either. And imagine the messaging that they're sending to the rest of the world. This could just as easily have been anthrax in the White House. And they're basically purporting to tell the world we wouldn't be able to find out who it was if someone brought anthrax into the White House. It's a lie. We know it's a lie. They know it's a lie. They know we know it's a lie. As whatever that Zoltzen's expression is, they're lying. We know they're lying. They know we know they're lying. And we all go along with it. It's an exercise of power. The corruption is there. The criminality is there. And they're lying to your face in the most egregious way possible. They have security cameras everywhere. People go in through security. If someone can just get in with cocaine and they can't determine who it was, they got bigger problems at the White House. And if you think about it logically, who would be one of the few people who would likely be able to get into the White House without being searched, without having to go through security? I can only think of a handful of people and their family. It's, a, it's an absolute outrageous lie. Everybody knows it's a lie. It's a power flex to be able to lie so brazenly to the public. Uh, yeah, well, now the uh, I guess the House Oversight Committee, that would be uh, chaired by uh, James Comer. They're requesting a uh, Secret Service briefing 
on uh, on all this. So uh, maybe they'll they'll get to the bottom of it. But I doubt it. I doubt it very much. Someone had made raise a very interesting point on the interwebs and I forget his name and I'm going to feel bad for not giving him credit. Well, if Hunter Biden had just entered into a, a, a diversion agreement or a pretrial diversion, uh, I presume being in possession of, a, of an unlawful whatever scheduled narcotic that is might be the basis for undoing of the plea agreement he just entered into for his tax issues and his felonious uh, lying on a firearm application. So they might have damn good reasons to continue with this lie. Excellent point. Excellent point. All right. I want to get your take on um, RFK Jr. Now, I, I like the guy. I think he comes across, you know, very personable. I uh, I like his stance on COVID. I like his stance on free speech. I think he's he's on side in terms of the border. I think he's way off base when it comes to things like climate change. And maybe there's some other issues, um, but he's posing a real just like his father did, you know, running against an incumbent president back in 68. Uh, what are your thoughts on RFK Jr.'s run for the White House against Joe Biden? Um, I like RFK, even if I do not agree with all of his policies. I like the way he thinks. I like the way he speaks. I like the way that even if I disagree with him on the climate crisis, you know, his position is I don't need you to agree with me. I don't expect you to agree with me because my policy will not be based on cataclysmic Greta Thunberg type panic. It'll be stuff that everybody should support, regardless of whether or not you believe there's 12 years left on this planet. Um, He's becoming a real thorn in their side. there, There is a damn good reason why they won't debate him why they will not allow RFK Jr. anywhere near uh, a side-by-side comparison with with Joe. Um, It would be the wildest of outcomes if it's actually RFK Jr. versus Donald Trump as the as the candidates for both respective parties. Uh, In my view, he's a wonderful uh, prospect. There's not a snowball's chance in summer that the DNC will allow him. To get the uh, to get the nomination, they're going to they're going to be dirtier than they were with Bernie Sanders. And my only serious major concern is of of the family legacy and the way the deep state has dealt with his father, his uncle. He's too big of a threat. And one way or another, they will not allow him to be the Democrat uh, nominee. The only question is, how dirty are they going to play? That would be my concern as well, because the parallels between his campaign and his father's in 68 are actually quite chilling. Again, running against an incumbent, um, you know, nobody said he had a, everyone said he had a snow, no a snowball's chance in hell. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. or sorry, Robert F. Kennedy Sr. started rising dramatically in the poll when he just started throwing out truth bombs. Mm-hmm. And um, his son is doing the same thing. However, if it becomes you know, when when Bernie had the nomination stolen by uh, Hillary Clinton, that turned off a lot of um, a lot of Democrats decided, you know, to sit this one out. So even if they if they steal it from uh, RFK Jr. and let's hope, you know, they don't play too rough. Uh, isn't that likely then to play into the hands of, of Trump, the uh, presumptive nominee of the GOP? That, that thought had occurred to me, you know, RFK Jr. says he'll never run on a Trump ticket. I, I tend to believe him. He says he'll never run as an independent. I tend to believe him. But if they uh, screw him the way they screwed Bernie Sanders, um, you know, there might be a even if he doesn't run as an independent, there might be a spiritual splitting of the vote or deterrence of people to vote or people are going to really understand how dirty this is. And they're going to have more of a, a, an exodus to Trump because I am presuming Trump is going to be the nominee for the GOP. Yes. Uh, so, you know, even if he doesn't run as an independent, there will be something of a of a uh, siphoning off or splitting of the vote. Uh, but I, I the cataclysmic thoughts are they can play dirty with both 
RFK Jr. and Trump, which they're already doing with Trump in any event. But um, no, it's going to be wonderfully wild to watch this uh, this election season. Absolutely. Great fun as well. David, how do we watch Viva Fry on Rumble and YouTube? Yep. And on Twitter, the angry Viva Fry, it's the Viva Fry. And um, that's where I have a bit less of a filter only because of, you know, constraints in size of tweets. But yeah, I'm on the, you'll find me Viva Fry all over the Internet. Fantastic. David, always a pleasure. You have a great weekend and um, hopefully we'll chat during the summer. But uh, if not, you have a wonderful, relaxing summer. Ah, there's no such thing as relaxing anymore, but thank you very much for having me on, Richard. <laughs> All right. When we come back, we'll open the line. We're, we're going to open the lines right now. In fact, they are open. They are available to you at 289-275-9600. 289-275-9600. Back with more of the Richard Serrett Show and your calls after these. Formulated to help support tranquil, relaxing sleep. Helps to reduce occasional snoring and promote healthy breathing patterns. Helps to optimize rapid recovery from morning grogginess. Safe, natural, and non-habit forming. I'm doing better with a little help from my friends at Bell Lifestyle Products. So you can do the things that you do best. Oh, yeah. The Bull Session continues on The Richard Serrett Show. News Talk, Saga, 960 AM. Just a reminder, the great Greg Carrasco coming up next for There is Something Happening Here. And we'll uh, we'll probably revisit the cocaine in the White House story and find out what's coming up on uh, Greg's juggernaut of a program tomorrow morning. Of course, Greg Carrasco heard Saturday mornings, 8 to 11, right here on Saga 960 AM. 289-275-9600, 289-275-9600. And we begin with uh, Tony in Oakville. Tony, welcome. Yes, hello. Let me just turn the radio off. Yes, please. Hi, Richard. Um, hey, I shall miss you going off for where to Greece. Uh, I've got two questions for you. One okay. is, do you have do you have an email address that people can use to contact you? Uh, well, the best way is to go through the website, uh, therichardserrettshow.com. There's a contact page. Okay. Uh, so my other question has to do with Whenever you refer to uh, Justin Trudeau as the crime minister, what are you actually attributing to the crime? What is the crime? <laughs> well, it's a nickname, right? Um, I mean, I could say alleged crime minister, but that would be tedious to keep saying that over. I just think he's a bad dude. Uh, and of course, you know, how many how many ethical violations has he had? Um, I think there's some criminality involved in obstruction of justice. Uh, I think I don't think there's any question that he was involved in the obstruction of justice uh, with that SNC yes. scandal. So, you know, yeah, uh, I've written uh, a book about that, which is why I asked for your email. I'll, I would like you to read it. But um, my, I, my belief of his crime is that he specifically continues the policies of his father, Pierre Elliott Trudeau, to not comply with the Canadian constitutional law, to use the Public Bank of Canada to issue cheap money to fund infrastructure projects. Well, that's true. But then you could also claim, you know, that Stephen Harper and Brian, every every prime minister since uh, Pierre Elliott Trudeau has disregarded the Bank of Canada Act. You're, you're right. You're quite correct. That uh, allows... This is how the St. Lawrence Seaway was built. This is how uh, we paid for a lot of inf- the Trans-Canada Highway. We're all uh, built by allowing different levels of government to, to borrow from our national bank. Uh, it was, I believe, nationalized under uh, William Lyon McKenzie. 
uh, Prime Minister, um, sorry, Mackenzie King, um, back in the 30s. And uh, they can borrow from that bank at very low or even zero percent interest rates. Uh, that's that's still standing. That's still a piece of legislation, but they disregard it. And under Trudeau, they started bar- borrowing from international lenders and about 90 percent of our debt, maybe even more. You can uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Ninety percent of our debt is compound interest based on, uh, you know, these loans from international lenders. We don't need to, to do it. Uh, we could borrow from the Bank of Canada at very low interest. Yes, we could. And uh, I have been an expert witness uh, on the fact that that could happen. And my evidence uh, went up to the Supreme Court of Canada with the Galati claim uh, that you are aware of when you've interviewed Galati. And Mm -hmm. it was just simply missed from court. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. Yeah, they don't. They won't hear it. They won't hear the case. And it's, uh, I remember someone asked uh, a Justin Trudeau directly about that. And uh, he just dismissed it. Oh, that's a conspiracy theory. No, it's an actual piece of legislation. Uh, yes, he did. I, I can't find that on the Internet. I'd love to find it. <laughs> I'm sure it's out there somewhere. Tony, thank you for it's the call. Somewhere. Yeah. Contact me through the um, contact me through the website. The Richard Serrett show dot com. Uh, he's written All a right. book. About this. All right, Tony. Thank you. All the best. All right. Uh, let's see. Who do we have? Craig. Uh, Craig is calling from Barrie, Ontario. Beautiful Barrie. Hey, Craig, welcome to the Richard Serrett Show. Oh, good afternoon. How are you? Very well. Thank you. Yeah, I just wanted to tell a quick story about meeting Peter Benchley years ago. Um, he was in the same hospital room uh, as my my best friend. His dad was in getting some surgery done, and the two of them were sharing a hospital room for the temporary time they were waiting for the surgeries. And uh, anyway, I went down to the lobby and grabbed a a copy of uh, Jaws. I think I was 15 at the time, and brought it up, and I got him to. I told him how he destroyed my life since because I've been terrified of the water ever since. The year I saw Jaws, I wouldn't even go in our swimming. I would not go in our swimming pool at home. That's how bad it was. Yeah, that was. A swimming pool. And I'm not not joking. No, hey, listen, that was a widespread uh, phenomenon back in the the mid-70s. Anyone who read Peter Benchley's Jaws, I'm sure could tell a a similar story. And again, not to repeat myself too often, but I made the same mistake. And my dad drove the family out to PEI. Uh, to swim in the Atlantic Ocean for the first time, I wouldn't get anywhere near the ocean. 
<laughs> because of Peter. We Pan. went to Florida the same summer. We went oh. to Florida the same summer I saw Jaws, and I would not go in the ocean. And yeah, just ter- absolutely petrified of going near it. So you got Benchley to sign your copy of uh, Jaws? Yeah, and he wrote, "I'm uh, to Craig. I'm sorry for all the something something. I can't remember, but basically for all the the trouble I've caused you in your life." He <laughs> laughed it off, and and. I wish I still had the the signed copy. It would have been great. That's a great story. Craig, thank you so much. I hope you'll call again. Uh, Have a great summer. All right. Thank you, too. All right. When we come back, Greg Carrasco will be here. Stay tuned. Just having a little chin wag on The Richard Serrett Show. News Talk, Saga, 960 AM. Something's happening here. Something is called cocaine. Big- <laughs> <laughs> cocaine. Greg Carrasco, host of the Greg Carrasco Show. Hey, Greg, how are you? Uh, well, that caught me by surprise. I'm, I'm great, man. I'm great. Enjoy, you know, the wonderful weather and all. But, uh, you know, just when you think that uh, the, the Biden administration couldn't possibly mess things up anymore, uh, they they go out there and completely amaze us yet again. How is this even possible, Richard? I mean, look at it. This is inside the White House. This is not the local pub, right? This is not right. uh, the, the the bathroom at the McDonald's on uh, Queen and Spadina in downtown Toronto. We're talking the White House here. Now, number one, how does cocaine get past security? Number two, don't we have cameras inside? I mean, Everywhere. I don't know. I'm just saying. Everywhere. <laughs> Yeah. So I, I think that I think that the the the, uh, the security uh, you know the FBI and security services too busy investigating Donald Trump that they're forgetting to see what's underneath their own nose. No pun intended. Well, exactly. I mean, can you imagine if? Uh, well, I mean, what's really rich about this is the way that the the lamestream media is doing somersaults. You know, trying to like you know, avoid the topic or excuse, oh, it's just a little bit of cocaine. Can you imagine if the thing was reversed and this was the Trump White House and they found cocaine in the Trump White House? They would be, this would be like 24-7 coverage. Well, look at it this way. I mean, uh, you know, Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity is under construction right now, Richard. So I'm working out of a trailer, Okay. So, you know, if if somebody walks into my office and they found a bag filled with cocaine, that would be the last day I can come to work. And I don't have the codes for the nuclear arsenal bigger than the world has ever seen. Somehow we keep sweeping it under the rug. And uh, what I don't understand is this. I mean, this is the lack of security that we have at the White House, which is probably the the most powerful place on the planet. And uh, we should be able to know very quickly who placed it, who snorted it, (laughs) who smuggled it. (laughs) But unfortunately, I think that we are being blocked. I mean, this is typical uh, Biden administration, White House, you know, just with decoys deflecting the whole situation. This is very it's fascinating, Richard, that so many people see it, but no one is saying anything about it. Well, Hunter, Hunter, Hunter. There, I said it. It's Hunter's cocaine. I mean, come on. He was he was in the house. Mom and dad were at Camp David. They were away when the mice are, or when the cat's away, the mice do play. And, uh, <laughs> you know, he's got a history, right? He's got a history uh, of drug problems. So and then, you know, they they conveniently switched uh, the, the story. They said, first of all, it was found 
in the uh, in the uh, the West, I guess the uh, the executive uh, part of the West Wing. Then they changed it and said, no, 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 no. It's in the West Wing, the tra- the heavily trafficked part of the West Wing. So it was probably a tourist. So it's so true. So how 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 does a tourist get cocaine inside the White House? That's the first question. And but also this is very easy. In, in my books, this is very easy. You know where we're going to find the video evidence uh, of who brought it in in the same place that uh, our friend that suicided himself in jail. His list of friends on that island that uh, that yeah, we all Epstein, know. Yeah. They're all in the same place. <laughs> exactly. Oh, <man>. Exactly. <laughs> Greg, what's coming up on the big show tomorrow? Excuse me. Um, our friend Dan McTeague is oh. going to be talking to us about uh, the declining appetite of Canadians for electric vehicles. It seems like uh, every single projection that we have had as to how many EVs are going to be sold in Canada has failed time and time and time again. And the government just keeps on shoving electric vehicles down throats, even though the appetite isn't there. So we're being force fed on this. And I also have um, Money Mike, uh, who is my personal financial advisor, trying to advise us on how to create wealth in this trying times. And I also have uh, a new a fellow member of the uh, Saga 960, uh, Dr. K. He has a show called Solving Healthcare. That's going to take a long time. So uh, we're going to pick his brain as to what his views are on uh, how to dismantle, not solve him, because now you need to dismantle this healthcare system here in Canada. So we have a good show coming down tomorrow. That's uh, Friday at three, I believe, uh, the health show. Uh, just getting- yeah, I, don't, I don't know. Yeah. Just getting back to the um, uh, electric vehicles for a moment, because I saw this poll. Yep. Uh, that, that said that um, Canadians' enthusiasm for electric uh, vehicles had fallen something like, I don't know, 14 points in the last like nine, nine months or something like that. Um, there's no appetite, clearly. Um, when people come, I mean, do you have customers coming into uh, Infinity um, Nissan in Oakville and asking for electric vehicles? Have you ever come across no. this, this uh, unicorn? Well- is a is very very rare when they come in, and you know you have to look at it from this perspective, Richard. You know Nissan was the first car manufacturer that produced a fully electric vehicle. It was the Nissan Leaf back in two thousand and seven? Oh, that's so right. So this made the news. It made the news. And what I can tell you, until three and a half years ago, the Nissan Leaf, believe it or not, was still the largest electric vehicle nameplate worldwide. Now, Tesla has since taken over because of the media, I guess. But, uh, you know, saying that, Nissan has two electric vehicles, the Leaf and the Aria, but it's a very specific client that comes and gets it. But it's not near the number of customers that we need in order for us to have that as a sustainable branch of the automotive industry. And unfortunately, I think that the government is, is making a big mistake. Yeah, I agree. It's going to be a white elephant and all the tens of billions of dollars they're giving in subsidies to all of these electric vehicle battery plants. They just announced, you know, thirty one billion dollars. And that's not the end of it. There's going to be more battery plant companies lining up to build plants in Canada because they know, uh, you know, that they'll they'll get bags and bags of money. And um, I think it's a white elephant. The electric vehicles will not fly. Toyota knows this. Toyota understands this. The world's largest auto company. They're not jumping in with both feet with electric vehicles. 
You know, I think that, uh, you know, Toyota is, is a company that a lot of other car manufacturers should look up to. They have invested a tremendous amount of time in, in their hybrid technology, which I believe is where some of the answers lie in, in, in the interim until we get proper, uh, you know, sustainable source of energy that is alternate to uh, fossil fuels, which I don't see that happening any time in my lifetime. And I am a young buck man i'm only 51 but you uh, are. i don't see this i don't see this happening anytime soon no i agree i think i agree the internal combustion engine using good old um fossil fuel is going to be with us for decades and uh, i'm happy about that all right yeah me too me too <laughs> the uh, the big show gets underway the greg carrasco show tomorrow morning saturday mornings 8 to 11 it's an appointment tune you won't get any yard work done but uh, just just sit back and enjoy from 8 to 11. Greg, always a pleasure. Thank you, Richard. Love you. Talk to you soon. Right on, brother. All right. When we come back, Daniel Boardman, senior contributor to the National Telegraph, will be here. We'll talk about uh, the uh, lamestream media taking a, a page out of the movie script Mean Girls going after Pierre Polyev. That story's next. Stay with us. Let's rejoin the conversation on The Richard Serrett Show on News Talk Saga 960 AM. Oh, look, the uh, conservatives are up in the polls again. Five points, according to uh, Abacus Data. And uh, just in time, cue the uh, lamestream media's Polyev smear campaign. <laughs> Daniel Boardman is senior contributor with the National Telegraph, the thenationaltelegraph.com. Daniel, how are you? Doing well. This is, I think we did, I think we predicted this. Conservatives eventually up five points after the uh, uh, poll that was at a, uh, like a bit of an outlier three weeks yes, ago. Yes. And so, then you came in and you talked me off the ledge because I was rather despondent and you said, just give it time. It'll come back. And here we are uh, up five points. And uh, but let's get to this this smear campaign. I think it was uh, you on Twitter that likened this to like a page out of the uh, movie script Mean Girls or something, the way they're going after Polyev. Yeah, that's that, that's been my take on the liberal strategy. It's, it's sort of a mean girl strategy. And uh, my, my theory is it can work in the short term, but it doesn't work long term. So if there was a quick leadership election and, and within like three to six months, you know, O'Toole had to come and, you know, run against Trudeau right off, uh, you know, a, a leadership campaign. It can work because he doesn't have name recognition. You have the entire media. You call him unpopular. Right. It's smear tactics. It's high school smear tactics. You're going around whispering, saying, well, I'm not saying anything bad about Pierre, but all the other girls like they don't want to hang out with Pierre because they think he's unpopular. Right. You you add the social stigma to him. But when we elect people leaders, we often vote on familiarity, right? We, we kind of mix familiarity with sense of security or, you know, likability. That's why I always say the uh, leadership favorability polls, they're just popularity polls, like how much it's a name recognition poll. So the more and more you talk about polyab and you try and build a name to them, the more you're actually putting him into the view of people, and then they'll become familiar and acclimatized to all of this. And then that sort of warm, oh, okay, I, I know this guy, I'm comfortable with him. You're much easier to click uh, uh, conservative uh, in 2025. So I, I don't see this as the greatest strategy, but it is 
Um, it is embarrassing to to watch them prance around on Twitter pretending the Toronto Star editorial room represents the entire country. Right. Well, they may fool some people, but uh, you mentioned that rag, which and I'll never mention the, the name of that rag again since the front page of the uh, during COVID. But uh, that rag is floating headlines like Pierre Polyev has a likability challenge. Uh, Pierre Polyev is becoming a liability to conservatives. What are they? Are they are they uh, doing focus groups? Where are they coming up with stuff? I mean, it, it's it's echo chamber nonsense, right? Uh, it's I mean, I I will not lie to you guys. Pierre has a very big problem in winning over the hardcore communist vote. <laughs> People would never vote conservative in their in their bios, um, and I have heard it on good authority that Christopher Freeland is not planning on voting for him. Mm. Election. I don't know how he can survive. Gerald um, Butts seems to be following suit and it's over, right? Because these are the only two people like it's 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 echo chamber talk. A lot of it is, you know, just take a take. I'm on the red team. So let's take a swing at the blue team and they can't attack him on policy because, you know, if they try and articulate what his policies are to the people, they're going to like it. Um, so they have to say he's unlikable. They do the classic thing where, oh, Pierre's unlikable, unpopular with women, even though he's more popular with men than Trudeau. But like Pierre's more popular with men than Trudeau is with women and men dislike Trudeau more than. Right. But it's just framed as men have an anger problem towards Trudeau. Don't be angry. And Polyev mm-hmm. is unlikable about, with women. How is that uh, Polyev's fault? So, I mean, it's it's just nonsense propaganda. I if I would be worried if it was a short term thing, but uh, over the long term, I think this is actually a counterproductive strategy. So let them keep doing it. Let them embarrass themselves. Let them get his name out there. Let the rag that shall not be named uh, write 10,000 more op eds about Polyev and how, um, you know, the, you know, the, the guy with the Vladimir Lenin pin on his shirt isn't going to vote conservative because <laughs> he doesn't think the party's diverse enough or, or whatever it is. And let him have fun. Um uh, now the the abacus data have they released any recent polls on um like trudeau and and polyev sort of head to head never mind sort of poly affili- party affiliation like liberals versus conservatives versus ndp but you know who would who would make who would be your preference to be prime minister w- 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 i mean that's what we need to see in terms of whether Polyev indeed has a likability problem. Have you seen any data there recently? I haven't seen any recent data because I think, I mean, last I checked, it was a few months ago, Polyev started to come up in those. And like, I mean, the point like Polyev's going to continue to rise in those. I don't see him that much value in those polls. Again, to me, those polls are just how familiar are you with this guy's name? Do you recognize this guy's name? And like, if the answer is yes, it's usually yes. And if, if you're like really political, then it's then you already know. Then it's you know if you vote conservative, you don't like Jagmeet and Justin and Elizabeth May. You do vote conservative, you like Polyev. You don't like it. it, it it's like that. But for most people, these these polls are just: Are you familiar with this name? And again, the the attacks on him just make people more familiar with his name. So I I, I don't see this hurting him in like ability. Like it might to someone who's very socially conscious, not politically aware, and their entire friend group starts having a conversation about how bad Polyev is, yeah, they might do the, the the animal instinct of go along to get along with the group and be like, yeah, yeah, I hate Pierre too. Okay. But I don't think that's the majority of people. That's a, that's a pretty rare circumstance. And I think it will drive more people into getting climatized to the name. So when they're familiar with Pierre Polyev, then taking a look at him again, during election time, when people start caring and taking a look, if he has some name recognition, then he's out in the public more. He's doing his five minute videos. He's running around talking about housing and inflation. 
I think the numbers come up. Uh, I think Paulie gets a huge uh, election boost that Justin Trudeau won't. All right. Daniel Boardman, senior contributor with the National Telegraph, the National Telegraph dot com, the National Telegraph dot com. Daniel, you have a great weekend and uh, I'm sure we'll talk during the summer. But uh, if not, you have a great summer as well. You too. And now your Lim Riddler answer and this week's winners. All right. Again, this week's Lim Riddle, Rome's Road Measure. Rome's distance measure for road destinations, not in the same social strata or stations. Premier build as exciting and skilled. UN replaced an alliance of nations. The answer to today's limb riddle is, did you get it? League, league. Rome's distance measure for road destinations, the League, is a measure of distance that was created by the Celts, adopted by the Romans, uh, eventually standardized as three miles on land or three nautical miles at sea. That's a League, three miles. Uh, Not in the same social strata or stations. Remember that person you wanted to date in school, but you just didn't think you were in the same League? Well, it was just likely their loss, after all. A premier build as exciting and skilled. No, not a politician, but the Premier League, which is the uh, highest level in the men's English football league system. UN replaced an alliance of nations. The League of Nations was founded in 1920 by the Paris Peace Conference and uh, ended the Great War. It is largely ceased operations in 1946, with many of its components incorporated into the new United Nations. And the first five to answer correctly were Bill Heller of Edinburgh, Texas, Jeff no last name, just like Cher, of Mississauga, Duncan Ruxton of Thunder Bay, Chris Chance of Comox, British Columbia, and Christine D. Savita of Stony Creek. All right. Just a reminder, I'm off next week, but be sure to tune in for a best of show Monday to Friday from 4 to 6 p.m. And then I'll be back live, God willing, coming to you from the great city of Athens. My thanks to Jody, Jacob, and Ryan. I'll speak with you live Monday, July 17th at 4 p.m., God willing. Don't be late. Until then, I remain unbowed, unbent, unbroken. That's it. That's all. For more Richard Serrett Show, podcasts, blogs, and other stuff, go to saga960am.ca. Stop talking past each other and start talking with each other. We'll see you Monday afternoon at 4 on The Richard Serrett Show on News Talk, Saga 960am. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and overpolicing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African Americans with a menthol ban. Time 
is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live.